Jesus, what a beautiful, beautiful name. It's the reason that we're here today. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. I want to ask you, how many of you have ever gone to the movie? Would you raise your hand up? Okay, now I'll preach on lying next time for everybody that didn't raise their hand, okay? Let me ask the question just a little different way. How many of you have ever decided to go to a movie, one you wanted to see, and you knew the starting time, and it doesn't matter what it was, 132, 34, 37, 30, or... I remember going to the midnight movies at Marion County uh, Theater back when I was a kid. But you knew what time the movie started. And you find your, found yourself running just a little bit late. So you prayed for God to forgive you and you broke all the traffic laws. You did everything you could. And you find yourself sitting in the seat. Let's say it was at 1.30. And you got there at 1.30 just as the lights go off and the projector rolls And you think, I made it, only to figure out 15 to 20 minutes later, you know, I didn't have to rush so much at all. Because all during those 15 minutes, you're seeing clips of movies yet to come. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They're showing you clips because they want to whet your appetite. They want you to come back pay that big uh, uh, admission price, and they want you to spend your money. In fact, if you want to know the truth, is that the movie industry has become a multi-billion dollar industry by showing you previews. I I, I don't want to be confused in here. Our Lord Jesus does not really care about money, multi-billion dollars. But he has left us some previews of things to come. We call it the book of the Revelation. This morning, we're going to look at one preview. We're going to look at the preview of the throne room. A preview of the throne room. Last week, we spoke from the first verse of chapter 4. Now we're going to take the whole chapter in total. But it's important for us to see this preview of the throne room because, listen, this is the room from which the judgment on the earth, judgment for sin, judgment on mankind is deployed. It is from this room, this nerve center, this control center, that we will see everything unfold. And it's interesting that, that Jesus, given to John, gave a whole chapter to tell us about this throne room. Now, you say, Brother Jerry, I've never heard it called a throne room. No, I understand. But all you have to do is read and you understand that this is a room that has the throne, has all the thrones. Let me just, let me just pause a second. If nobody's ever done this. You know, we've already preached through chapters 1, 2, 3. And chapter 2 and 3 are about the churches. Chapter 1 is about John encountering Jesus on the Isle of Patmos. Chapter 4 
is where we get introduced and get this preview of the throne room. Chapter 5 is in the throne room. Jesus appears. He appears as the lamb slain. He appears as the lion of Judah. He appears as the son of David. He appears as the victorious one, and he takes the scroll, the ownership manual of this church, and with that scroll, over the next chapters, mets out the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the vile judgments, on all those who have rejected God's plan of salvation. It it goes from chapter 5 to the end of chapter 20. At the end of chapter 20 is the great white throne judgment. Let me just pause there to say, you don't want to be at the great white throne. Because if you find yourself at the great white throne, here's what you know. There's only one exit. There's only one road out. There's only one pathway, and it leads to a place called the lake of fire that the Bible calls the second death. It's kind of the climax if this was a movie, the orchestra was to be playing. It's the climax of the movie. As whoever's name was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life was cast in the lake of fire, the second death. Brothers and sisters, your invitation to miss the lake of fire, miss the great white throne. Then the last two chapters, 21-22, is kind of the, the peace or the calm after the storm. It presents us a picture, <clears throat> picture excuse me, of the new heaven and a new earth. The place where we'll ultimately spend eternity. But I want, to, I want you to stop right here and I want you to just, you can write it down, you can put it on your heart, put it on your mind, put it on your brain. The book of the Revelation, the Revelation was given to us to encourage us. That no matter how difficult this life becomes, that there will be peace in the valley one day. It t- tells us to, to hold on, keep the faith, because our Lord God is in control, in control. But make no mistake, for those folks who are not a part of the God's kingdom, who have never trusted Christ, who've never followed Christ, never been baptized in the family, never never go the way that Jesus has called them to go, this is your invitation. The revelation it, Preview of the revelation, preview of the throne room is your invitation to come to him, to get to know him. So what I'd like to do is I'd like for us to read this entire chapter. It's only 11 verses. Would you stand? If you can and will, would you stand together as we read? Pick up in verse 1. It's the verse we read last week, and we'll read all 11 verses. Follow along. This is indeed God's holy word. After this, John writes, I looked. And there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and there was a throne in heaven. And someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white. 
with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our soul. Open our eyes to the things that you have in store, to the things that we can't even imagine. Open our eyes to a fresh vision of you on your throne. It's my prayer today because I know if you open our eyes and we can see If we can see you, then we can see ourselves in light of you. And then you can do the work that you would like to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Every time I read Revelation chapter 4, my wild imagination begins to take hold and take over. As I try to paint that picture in my mind. So what what I have done is I found a couple of pictures that might help us a little bit. Give them to you up here. No, back up please, just one time. There we go. You see the... You can't hardly see the throne because the carnelian and jasper lights are so bright. You can see the seven... um, Flames in front of it represent the perfect Holy Spirit. You can see a a type of a rainbow going around. You can see the four living creatures. You can see the 24 elders. But I wanted you to see that second picture because this one has the elders 
sitting on their thrones, and here they are all bowed down. Thanks. I just wanted to give you a little, a little thought of that, a little visual of that, and I want to tell you, don't be deceived. That may or may not be how it looks. That was a human representation of something that's divine. But today I want us to take a peek inside the throne room. I I want us to take and look at a preview of the throne room. As I've already said, this is the room from which judgment and justice will be meted out on earth. It is from this throne. It is from this room that the Father will be in its proper place, finally, on the throne. The Son will be honored. The Spirit will, will abide and be present. It is from this throne room that mankind will receive their just due, both the saved people and those who are not saved. And if we're going to understand and even come to terms with end-time events and how they impact us, we must begin in the throne room, for it is the nerve center of what's going to happen in all eternity. Now, some of you already tuned me out. I don't have anything to do with me going to school tomorrow, me going to work tomorrow, so he's just going to talk in some spiritual terms. Well, here's what I'm going to say to you. Is that, and I'll probably say it again before the message is over. You and I better take note because this is coming in your life in the not-too-distant future. You and I will experience it either as a saved person, a child of God, a redeemed person, or one who has rejected and refused God's offer of salvation to you, God's offer of love to you, God's offer of care to you, God's offer to miss hell. God's offer to be a part of the group to go to heaven, spend an eternity with him and his people. So I want to do this very simply this morning. Just three thoughts. I begin with the appearance of the throne room. The appearance of the throne room. Can you imagine the emotion that John had when he says in verse 1, he says, you know, and, and I, And I saw in heaven an open door. And the first voice I heard said, come up here. Come in here. Can you imagine him thinking, what in the world? And then the Bible says, immediately I was in the Spirit. Well, he was already in the Spirit, but now immediately he is in the Spirit. I just want to pause here and give you some, some event connection. Most people... Many people, most people, believe that when the voice said, come up here, it is a precursor to what we come to know as the rapture of the church. Because the church is not ever mentioned on earth ever again. And so, come up here. You see, one day, a trumpet's going to sound. I happen to believe it's the trumpet call, the trumpet voice of God. Paul tried to communicate this in 1 Thessalonians. He says, for we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. I'm just going to pause there to say, for years I wonder why we're not going to precede those who's in the grave. 
But listen, let me tell you why we're not going to proceed, though. This is Jerry Watts. This is not Bible. They got six foot further, eight foot further to go than we do. So he's going to bring them up first, and then we'll be caught away. For the Lord himself, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. That'll scare most Baptists. With an archangel's voice. With a trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. That are those who have died with Jesus in their heart will rise first. And then those, then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, here it is, encourage one another with these words. With a simple shout, God's people will be called away. With a simple shout, if you know him, you'll be here one moment and gone the next. But let me tell you this. With that same shout, the people who thought they were going are going to be eternally left. You see, whether you die this a physical death or whether you're caught up in the end time rapture, five seconds after the event, you will know what your eternity is. There will not be another choice. This is your call. This is your time to make it right. It's a reminder. Reminder. When I think about John, I think about him receiving that call to come up here, and immediately he was in that room. I call it the throne room. You know why I call it the throne room? It's easy. Immediately as I was in the spirit, and what is the first thing he sees? And there was a throne, the throne, the center place of the throne. Now, there are many thrones in this room, as we saw, 24 around, 25 or so thrones. But there was one central throne, one central throne. You see, the truth is that for the finite mind... It seems when you read John that words will not come. Because he says, and there was a a throne. And Eric, he didn't say, God's on the throne. He said, and there was one on the throne. Now, either he couldn't see through the lights, the Jasper and Carnelian lights, or he couldn't find a way to express himself. Or either he didn't want to tell us, and I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that he was afraid to to describe who was there because he didn't feel like he could do that justice. He says, someone is seated on the throne, had the appearance of, looked like, was like. Can you imagine what it would be like to try to describe the Almighty? To describe God? And here's what I'm going to tell you. In this throne room, once he saw the throne, everything else was subservient to that. Because, just think about it as we, as we look at our scripture. Think about it. First of all, he saw the throne. And then he saw something surrounding the throne. It was a rainbow. Now, in his Jewish mind, that rainbow, that rainbow remind, reminded him of God's covenant with mankind, of God's faithfulness to mankind. His Jewish background really played into what he was seeing. 
You see, in, in Genesis 9, God had put that rainbow. You remember the story after Noah? He put the rainbow and said, I'll never destroy the earth again by water. And so the rainbow, by the way, have you ever seen a perfect, complete rainbow? Anybody? No, you normally see it from horizon to horizon. But now because the throne is above the horizon, you can see the whole thing surrounding the throne. And then you look at before the throne. Before the throne, that means in front of the throne, were the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God, which means that seven, you remember what, anybody remember what we, I know it's only because I said it, Pud. Seven means perfect. Seven means complete. So it's the perfect, complete spirit of God around the throne. So you have the, you have the rainbow surrounding the throne and you have the spirits of God, those flames of fire, seven flames around the throne. Before the throne and then around the throne. And you have, this is an amazing thing. You have 24 thrones. Have you got the picture yet? You have a throne. You have a rainbow. You have the seven spirits of God in those flames. You have 24 subservient thrones. And on those thrones are elders. John, in his Jewish background, he knew what those elders meant. It's from First Chronicles 24, I think. As they speak of those of those twenty four uh, um, those twenty four generations from the family of Aaron, he knew he knew it. And then to see those crowns, to see those people dressed in white, he knew that they had endured. He knew that they were faithful. He knew he knew who they were. He he understood. It became very clear to him. And then you look at the four living creatures. Now, have you got all this picture yet? The throne, the rainbow, the flames, the Holy Spirit, the elders. And then, and then around the throne, these four living creatures. John saw something that he had never imagined that God could create. When you read those, it kind of makes you mind-wander. The excitement for me when I read about these four living creatures there in the middle of verse 6 is that it's to know that our God, the one who loves us, the one who cares for us, the one who created us, is still capable of creating things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into a heart of man. All that he can do in and through us for those who follow him, because he is creator God. Hello? Eyes all around. Okay, you're going to hate me for what I'm about to say. I read about that. I read about those creatures and their eyes all around. And for all of my life, I thought the only person that had eyes in the back of their head was my mother. Nothing got past her. You see... These creatures, these created ones, they are created for God and they're created by God. We see that they're literally, when you study the language, they're living beings. They're living ones. They had a face like a a lion, an ox, a man, and a flying eagle. What in the world does that mean? What does that represent? I have read a lot of people. 
We have a theologian right here, Brother Kevin. He probably has his opinion. I'm going to tell you what my opinion is right now. Nobody knows. I mean, some of them think it goes back to the Old Testament with, the, with it being a fowl and Noah and, and all the things of the Old Testament. Warren Wiersbe thinks it's the New Testament of how the Gospels treated Jesus. It represents all of that. The truth is, I don't know what it represents in the Bible. Here's what I do know. Eric, you'll love this. These four creatures, they were the worship leaders. <laughs> they were the worship leaders, man. They never stopped. It didn't matter who tried to interrupt them. They never stopped saying and singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That is the essence of worship, brothers and sisters. Giving all due to Him. They were the, and when, and when they worshiped, what happened? Everybody else got in on the act. That's when the elders fell off the throne on their face. You know what the deal that teaches us? That teaches us we worship more deeply. I'm going, to stay, I'm going to start again. I don't want you to miss this. We worship more deeply on our face than we do in our seats or on our feet. We don't get that in America. I'll never. I'll never bow my knee. I'll never bend my body. I'll never get on. Oh, yeah, you will. It's either now or later. But you know why we Americans, Southern Baptists, you know why we resist that so much? Because we've been blessed to live in a democracy. We don't know what it is to live in a kingdom where you pay homage to a king. You see, when we catch that difference it may uh, humble us just a little bit. Truth is, is that I look at the, the appearance of the throne room. I see the throne. I see the rainbow. I see those seven flames of fire. I know the Father and the Spirit are right there. I see the 24 elders. They're dressed in white. They have those golden crowns. You know that they made it through because they're faithful and holy. I see the four living creatures trying to help us, trying to help us worship Him. But that's not all about the throne. There's one last thing here. We find it in verse 5. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. I never found the book. I bet Julie could tell me where it was. I was looking for an old Broadman hymnal. Because in the old Broadman hymnal, I believe it was hymn number 400, was one of my favorite songs. And the verses go like, this is what it reminds me of when I see the lightning and thunder. It says, I've seen the lightning, seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roar. I've felt sin's dashers breaking, trying to conquer my soul. You say, well, anytime there is lightning and thunder, am I surprising anybody to tell you that there's a storm on the way? 
You see, this, this throne is no longer a seat of peace. It's no longer a seat of mercy. This throne has now become a throne of judgment. Those who are not at peace with the one on the throne are going to find themselves in a whole bunch of trouble. The throne room is set up for what's about to happen. John is there, an invited guest. The elders are there. The living beings are there. The spirit's there. The Father is there. The throne is there. The rainbow's there, lightning and flashing and warning about what's ahead. The stage is set and it's all ready. And it's about to happen. And as they know it's about to happen, we can move from the attention in the throne room to the from the appearance in the throne room to the attention in the throne room. With all that I've just described going on, where is the attention of everybody in the throne room? Is it those beings? You can't take your eyes off the beings. I mean, they got a face like a, a, a lion, an ox, beast of burden, a man. I mean, those are weird guys. Can is the attention going to the elders, the crowns, the dress, the happenings? Here's what I want to say to you. The attention in the throne room is the same place that the attention of every church, every worship service, and every life of Christ followers that where that, their attention should be faced. And that is in the one who sits on the throne. The creatures knew it. They never stopped worshiping him. The elders knew it. They didn't hesitate about falling on their face in worship. We should learn from them, too, about where attention is due. Too often, our attention is on the one in the mirror. We look in that mirror every day and we see the one that we're most in love with. We get all tangled up in things of this world and make little of the one who designed the world. They sang holy, holy, three holies, holy, holy, holy. We sing it out of our hymn book. Holy, holy, holy. We sing that. We don't sing holy, holier, and holy, yes. We sing holy, holy, holy because it was a way to bring the most honor to the Father. It's like there's none. You're the most, you're the holiest one of all. There is none holier than you. And they called him. Look down there in verse, uh, uh, verse 8. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. The Lord God, look at this, the almighty. Not just the mighty, not just the one who's strong. He's the one who is the almighty. He is omnipotent. He's the one who, who was. He's been here from the beginning. Who is. He stood through all the time. Who is to come. He'll stand through all of eternity. Folks, we need to catch the glimpse of the center of attention in the throne room, and we need to make him the center of attention in the throne room of our hearts. 
Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants you to be on the right side of eternity, starting in the throne room. He died and rose so that you would be his for now and all eternity. Are you his? We see the appearance. We see the attention. Let's end with one final thought, the atmosphere. You know, the atmosphere or the ambiance of any place largely controls the experience that you have while you're there. John's an invited guest. He wrote about what he sensed. He wrote about what he saw in chapter 5. He'll read about, he'll write about what he felt. The atmosphere in that room was nothing shy of electric. Why? Because the time had come. The time is coming. Inside the throne room, they were worshiping the one on the throne. The atmosphere, the atmosphere was of authentic encounter and worship. They weren't, please listen, I'm about done. They weren't worried about what somebody else said. They weren't worried about what somebody else did. They weren't worried about what somebody else wore. They weren't worried about where everybody sat. Because when the real worship took off, nobody was seated. The atmosphere, I want to suggest to you, could be cut with a knife. Because you see, folks, when you get in the presence of Jehovah, you don't worry about other things. Your attention is focused on him. And it is from this throne room that both justice and judgment will be unleashed. I don't know if this picture of the throne room has touched your heart. Every time I read about it, every time I study about it, I remember that John called it heaven. But the sights and the sounds and the worship and the response touches me in places that I'm rarely touched. For you see, I said this earlier. I know that this place is coming to me in the not too distant future. And whether you know it or not, this place is coming to you in the not too distant future. Does this preview ring with you? You think about what's ahead? Well, do you know that you will be there on the right side of eternity, on the right side of God, on the right side of the Spirit, on the right side of the Son? It's not how good you are. 
It's not how many churches you're a member of. It's not about your attendance record. It's not about how many times you've been baptized. It is about on this day, at this time, it will only be about what you have done with Jesus. If you know Jesus and he's in your heart, you're encouraged today. If you don't know Jesus and you're kind of faking everybody out, the preacher's either made you mad or made you scared. How about you today? Let's pray.